Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krauss, and I hope you're staying happy, healthy, and safe. I have two really interesting guests for you today. One, you already know and love, and we'll get to him in just a few minutes. But the other one is a name you might not recognize, but I think you're going to find him fascinating. His name is Raymond Knowles, and he is the world's number one Avatar fan. To prove it, he's tattooed 95% of his body with Avatar-related tattoos, named his Edmonton, Alberta based carpentry company Mr. Avatar and has seen the movies directed by James Cameron more times than you can count. He joins me a little bit later on and we'll get to know what it was about the movie that really turned him on and how you do maintenance on an entire body of tattoos. That's just a little bit later on. First, we'll spend some time with Mark Critch. He's an actor, comedian, and author who, since 2003, has starred on the political parody show This Hour Has 22 Minutes. He's photobombed Justin Trudeau, offered Pamela Anderson $1 million to stop acting, and poked fun at characters like Rex Murphy, Don Cherry, and Donald Trump. The show turns 30 years old this season, making it the longest-running comedy show on Canadian television. And as if that wasn't enough to keep Mark busy, his other show, the hit CBC sitcom Son of a Critch, is now on its second season. The show is a biographical look at growing up in Newfoundland and Labrador, and in a fun twist, Mark plays his own father on the show. Mark Critch joined me via Zoom from St. John's. When we first talked about season one, you said, listen, if I only ever do this, if I just get this one show on the air, th that's all I really need. And now here you are leading into season two. Tell me a little bit about how you're feeling right now. Well, it, it's lovely. You know, you, you don't really get too much of a chance to stop and, and smell the roses because mm -hmm. it's funny. As a guy who's written two memoirs and a TV show about himself, <laughs> I don't think of myself as someone who stops and reflects much, you know, but I, I guess I do. But um, it's fascinating because who knew, you know, whether this would, would go and we just tried to be as honest and truthful and and pure as we could with the story we wanted to tell the first time. And, you know, that really resonated with people, even though it's such a weird, unique little story about a kid in the 80s in St. John's. Lots of folks uh, felt that they could see themselves in it. So, yeah, I'm eternally grateful and and surprised, as always, uh, at what uh, at what people support. It's just great to have them on your side. The show is very specific, but it also feels kind of universal, too. Why do you think that is? What are people seeing in this show uh, if they live in British Columbia or in another country? What are they seeing in this show that's very, very uh, uh, niche to Newfoundland and Labrador? What are they seeing in it? Well, I, I think the, that just a human condition, like it doesn't matter where things happen or what the accent is. Um, when it comes down to it, everyone's had their heart broken. Everybody has felt like the outsider, no matter how, if you're the captain of the hockey team, you still feel like the <laughs> outsider, you know? And one of the big supporters of the show is actually Mike McCartney, who is Paul McCartney's brother, who's in his 80s in Liverpool in England. And uh, he's a great you know, photographer, comedian himself. And he loves the show. And he's like, oh, reminds me of growing up, you know, like in the 40s in Liverpool, I guess. So which is kind of like the 80s in Newfoundland, I think we're behind the times. But it's a, a wide group of people. And then I hear from a lot of uh, new Canadians who really um, re respond to the story of the character of Richie. And I think there's something for everybody. But uh, yeah, I think I think we've all we've all felt like the nerd. And I think we've all had our hearts broken. So so those are things that uh, resonate. When you started season one, 
Uh, you know, obviously a great deal of planning goes in. You're, you know, you, you figure out that story arc. Now season two, did you have season two in the back of your head somewhere? Well, I kind of knew some of the stories I wanted to tell, but then as, you know, this thing became, it was clear that, you know, this was successful and we had a good chance at season two. Kind of sat down and we talked out through some ideas and there are, um, what I really wanted to do was I, Young Merc at the end of season one finally feels like he's a part of something. And I think friendships uh, and who you're in love with changes so quickly at that age, you know, and people, you find your own group of people. And there's that those group of friends who are so close to you because geographically they were sent to the same school and you're the right. same age. That's all you have in common. And then eventually you start to find your own people who are more like you. So I, I just wanted to have him, okay, he's happy, he's wonderful, let's blow up his world. Because, you know, that was, and then that leads into hopefully next year uh, when he starts, as I did when I was like 15, but Benjamin will be 14, of performing in bars and finding another group, getting further away. And, and each little spot gives him a little bit of who he is and who he's going to become. So, yeah, it, it was it was all about shaking it up this year. And at 14, performing at bars, I can't let that go without asking about it. So you're doing stand-up and doing comedy? Sketch comedy. I, I was at 15, myself and another guy, Stephen Guy McGraw. Um, we uh, we just were in a clowning workshop together. And uh, and we're, you know, not the coolest place to be. And we we're like, you know, I like this. I like that. I like this. I like that. It was like, we should, well, we like sketch comedy. We should try and write sketches and we'll do a, a, a show. So we went down and rented the Longshoreman's uh, Union Hall, uh, LSPU Hall in St. John's. And uh, at 11 o'clock at night on a school night, we went down there and put off a sketch comedy show with two other guys we met who were in a drama club at another school. And we we're like, okay, great. And we had a book before we had any sketches. You know, we're like, all right, that's good. We got three weeks. You're listening to Mark Critch on The Richard Krause Show. His show, Son of a Critch, is in its second season now on CBC television. And then we made costumes and did sketches and came out and did okay, I guess. But um, uh, it was fascinating. And after that, it was writing and performing your own work, which is still what I want to do now. After renting the Longshoreman's Protective Union Hall, then we did uh, uh, a couple of bar shows. Uh, right away, like age of 15. And dad found a poster for one. And it was a fetish night at the bar. I didn't know I was booked. So it was the poster said, uh, $5 cover, two if you get paddled at the door, sparkling spanko-rama fetish night, uh, pre-show comedy by, you know, me and my buddy. And dad had been downtown on Water Street, saw this on a pole. And I came home from school and he said, uh, Sit down. I said, yeah, what's up, Dad? He goes, do you know what a fetish night is? And I was like, oh, it's a chance to perform. Go to your room. And that was it. I wasn't allowed. But yeah. That kind I of think stuff. you might have missed out on quite a night there. I know. What, a, what an awakening. Yeah, so that's good. I still haven't been to one. One of these days. How much artistic license uh, do you take? You're one of the writers. You're also uh, writing um, with... Uh, uh, Tim McAuliffe, who you've worked with for many years, and he's worked all over the place in Los Angeles and, and done lots of things. Um, how much artistic license do you take with your own story? And how much does does Tim push that? Tim would like last year, Tim really wanted um, Mike to go away to school. Mm. And because it was like uh, the older, my older brother on the show. And that would, you know, 
But I also, well, if he goes away to school, which he didn't do, um, he kind of went to university in town, but then kind of gave it up because he found the radio station there and ended up spending all his time on college radio and then coming back to work with dad at the station. So I thought, uh, and that was one thing he thought, you know, which I think if you're writing a sitcom is probably the way to go about it is, you know, oh, this has to happen. But I was like, we can't have them out of the bedroom sharing the room. And we had to get them back in the house pretty quick at the start of this season, which we do. Um, so what I found is the more we move away from the spine of the story being true, the less interesting it is or the less i guess it's the less i can i put into it you know i think i find more emotion and something else to say um so the spine of everything is kind of is true and little bits and pieces there i mean like you know in in real life the grandmother shared the bedroom and died very young and pop is an amalgam of this a uh, couple of other people but that is so much shoe leather to explain it's like he's a grandpa right. so some things have been changed and, and of course a lot of things happen um, that happened at different points in my young life, but we've made them happen in these couple of years. Uh, but yeah, the spine of every story is true. And then, you know, there's there's elements where you go off and you need to give people story arcs and, and fun. But each one, I could I could tell you what's real or not. Does it still feel surreal uh, to be playing your own father? Or as you, you know, move into season two, it becomes something else. It's a, it's a, it's a job. It's a great one. And maybe you're more used to it now. Well, you you color it with different things, but it's and you it's pretty it's still very much dad. Mm -hmm. You know, it is very much my father, that that kind of characterization. And there's things and there's one episode where he wins the Edward R. Murrow Award. And he had a big banquet. And it's so funny, I was up there giving the acceptance speech in this episode, you know, I'm like just taking things from dad's actual speech. And I'm going like, well, this is weird. Now this is like, you know you're like stepping into the old man's uh, body or something. Right. You know, you know. right. But yeah, um, I still look at him as dad. I forget it sometimes when I'm acting in the scene and I'll hear, my, I'll hear myself say, remind, think of something like, oh, something like this happened to me or something like this happened. To, I'm like, this exact thing happened. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what we're doing. You know? I couldn't wait for summer to end. I was about to be reunited with my first love. New year, same door. Where's Fox? who had moved on to her second. Our sister's too hot for you. You think your own sister's hot? Yeah, what the hell, man? Oh, what? No, gross. First love feels like it could never end. Until it does. Smells like puberty to me. Pop, uh, of course, played by Malcolm McDowell, uh, who returns for season two. Uh, when we did the Just for Laughs panel in Montreal in July, uh, he was there. And I got a sense of uh, what a trip it is to work with Malcolm McDowell. Tell me a little bit about uh, shooting this television show with him. Malcolm has two modes, I think, and that is uh, like legendary. Peter O'Toole, Lawrence Olivier, I take no gruff boy. And then sweet guy mm -hmm. who could do anything, would do anything for you and is just so loving and, and kind. And I think the character is the Lawrence Olivier type, you know, that he puts on because he's like, oh, we got to give people a bit of a show. You know, I'm going to be this guy. And he has an incredible story. Mm -hmm. But when you break it down, he is quite sentimental, sweet protective, loyal, very loyal, very loving. Um, and 
just cares so much about the show and the place. And he said, he sent me a lovely message. He was flying off to Italy to shoot something or be honored or whatever happens when you're Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> and uh, he flew over St. John's and he said, Oh my God, I'm flying over home. Uh, he sent me a message. I thought, Oh, that's great that he thinks of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but he, he's just wonderful. And every now and then you're in a scene and we're doing a scene. Um, it takes place when pop uh, hangs out at a retirement home for an episode. And he kind of gets a sense of what it would be like for many of his people his own age who don't get to live at home, even though it's frustrating at times. And the line, there was a line written there, you know, oh, you're a good boy um, to my character. And then I turn to the orderly and I say, oh, what kind of pills do you have, mom? Like, this is unusual. He's being nice. But then he turned to me in the moment and, and he he welled up and he, he started to cry. He could barely get the lines out when he said it. He was so great. And he went on. And then I'm left there like some kind of schmo with a joke line, you know? <laughs> and I'm going like, what the hell was that? You can't, you can't Academy Award act in the middle of a bit. I'm trying to do a bit, you know? Like, Did you like that? Yeah, that was great, Brando, but the comedy show. So like he has so many things he can paint with. It, it's remarkable. Every now and then you kind of almost forget your line because you're like, oh, wow, that was really great. You're listening to Mark Critch on The Richard Krause Show. His sitcom, Son of a Critch, is in its second season now on CBC Television. The show has a, an interesting tone to it because it is a comedy show, but you're unafraid to approach more serious topics. Death is a, a topic that is essayed frequently on the show. Uh, and it is um, something unlike a lot of sitcoms which have to have a laugh every 10 seconds or whatever the, there's a rule <laughs> uh, or there used to be anyway and and son of a critch isn't that it's a it's a different thing it's a very funny show but it allows a real balance i think between the comedy and the drama and that's a i think a tough tone to maintain yeah i i never want to do anything else you know because it's it's i i kind of i don't go for like laugh per minute or anything mm. but i kind of feel like uh, I go for mood, tone, almost like you're scoring it or something, you know? And uh, somebody said to me that they love the show because they watch it as a family. The end of every episode feels like a hug. And I right. thought that was a lovely thing to say. But yeah. that's what I'm trying to go for is like, all right, all, at the end of each episode, I'm trying to say like, okay, all that, that was fine, everything. But here's here's why that memory was important to me. Or that's why, this is why I this came to me, is this is how I feel about this. And you get a little chance to do that and and kind of, and it's okay to be sad or to, to I mean, there's all these rules with last for minutes and leave them happy and all this. It's be melancholy. I think melancholy is a lovely thing and it's wistfulness, you know, when people watch with their families and it may, may lead to a discussion. Not every time, but uh, I, I think, you know, things don't always work out great. And especially for people like the character of Fox and her family, like things aren't always wonderful. So it's, it's okay to go there, I think. And I think it makes it more interesting. As you uh, continue on with the show, you mentioned maybe a season three, um, you you obviously have to keep thinking of new uh, storylines for all the characters. And I guess that means dredging into your memories a little deeper. Is there another memoir maybe formulating in there somewhere? Well, no, I've got two. Mm -hmm. And I think I would have to live a little more, like, I don't want to have more memoirs than Churchill. Right. You know, right. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. But I think this is a way of telling all those stories, right? 
it's supposed to be adapting the book, but it's not. It's just talking about my life in a different medium, I think, yeah. in a different way. And um, there's no real shortage of, of of memories and stuff. It's it's interesting. A lot of them will mean kind of as we move forward, breaking up the wonderful thing we have, I think, in the Richie Fox and Mark friendship and the living at home and all that stuff. Like the thing is, the safe thing is to just keep churning out the same thing, which, you know, I, I, I don't want to do. I want to certainly keep a lot of elements of it. But, you know, it's life happened you go on you explore different things you're going down you're he's about to enter into the forest now you know like yeah. and he's getting deeper into the forest and then a lot of other things will happen so uh no i'll i'll keep i'll keep talking about myself because as you well know all performers are narcissists you have to listen <laughs> to enough of them and yes i will continue richard to talk about myself and 22 Minutes is celebrating 30 years on television. Uh, it's an incredible milestone. It's up there, I think, like with The Simpsons. And I don't know, there's just a small handful of shows uh, that have lasted that long. And there's certainly no shortage of material for you. Is it interesting for you or more interesting when the news cycle seems to just throw <laughs> bad news and terrible things happen and and just incredible amounts of news at you all the time is that uh better for you or does it make it a little harder because there's so much to choose from well the worst thing is like we used to be like a weekly roundup and you'd have newspapers and you go through them and you cut out mm -hmm. articles and do all this stuff and now it's just boom 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 so a lot of times amazing things will happen on a tuesday and then we'll air the next tuesday and what happened Tuesday is no longer usable in the show. So even though there's more stuff, there's actually less stuff for us to make fun of, if that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Because it used to be, you know, you'd have everything. And now uh, it's, and every joke has been made by the time we get to air, right? So we right. tape on a Monday night. Um, and so and it airs on Tuesday, which used to be, woo, so lightning fast. <laughs> but now that's, you know, so old. So, yeah, you just have to learn to keep rolling with it. My favorite thing is when we have a show and we're all ready to go and something big will happen mm. and then we throw all that out and then we go, okay, let's do this. Because that to me is like, it's the only reason to do a show like that, you know, right. is that rush. And 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 uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I still enjoy it very much. Well, Mark, thanks so much. Pleasure to speak to you and congratulations on season two. Thank you, Richard. You are the best there is in the business. It's always a joy to uh, chat with you. He's a nice man. That was Mark Critch on The Richard Krause Show talking about his television show, Son of a Critch, which is now in its second season on CBC television. Fish may love living in a pond. <laughs> Got it. Oh, oh. Got time, But if he just swam a little bit further, he'd find that there's a whole ocean out there. <laughs> As promised, I have the world's number one Avatar fan with me here today. But what does that mean exactly? Well, I'll tell you all about him in just a second. But if you haven't seen the movie, here's a little bit of audio that should help set the stage, remind you what Avatar is all about. Then we'll get into the interview with Raymond Knowles. 13 years after the original Avatar became one of the highest grossing films of all time comes the sequel, Avatar, The Way of Water, now playing in theaters. In the film, war has come to the planet of Pandora in the form of a threat to the indigenous Navi from their old enemies, the Sky People. We cannot let you bring your war here. Outcast. That's all they see. I see you. 
water connects all things. Before your birth and after your death. This is our home! I need you with me. And I need you to be strong. Very excited to talk to my next guest. Uh, I read about uh, Raymond Knowles uh, yesterday, and I've been trying to track him down. We did, and I'm very excited to have uh, the carpenter from Edmonton, who is also probably the world's biggest Avatar fan. Raymond, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good night. Thank you very much for letting me uh, talk to you on the radio. Oh, listen, man, I'm so excited to have you here. So uh, we should tell people that you have about 95% of your body tattooed with Avatar-style tattoos. Your carpentry business is called Mr. Avatar. Your truck is incredible. You've got uh, a truck that's wrapped completely with Avatar images and that sort of thing. So the obvious first question is, I guess this dates back 13 years to when you first saw the original Avatar, and what was it about that movie that just brought you in? Uh, honestly, to this day, I can't remember pinpoint one little thing. Mm. Um, I just resonated with everything about the movie. Um, I'm a James Cameron fan to start with. Yeah. And then after seeing it a couple times, it, it just hit me. I don't know. I fell in love with everything, uh, especially that uh, main character, uh, Natiri. Uh, yeah, no. So for her, that's just you know, right to me. Yeah, no. She's played by Zoe Saldana in the film. She's the warrior princess in uh, in the two films that are out now, and she uh, is you know the 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 main character. And I don't know, like we see, I see her on your truck here. Like there's something <laughs> about there's something about her that that really really rung the bell for you. I don't know if it was the skin, the body, or how much of a warrior, how she can fight, the eyes. I just can't pinpoint one thing. It's probably all all together. And how did the the tattooing and everything else, how did all that start? Did it start with a small tattoo on your back, or, or what happened? How did that all happen? Well, the movie came out in December. I've got my first Avatar tattoo the following March mm-hmm. on my back, a small one. And then a couple of months later, I got a second one and just kept on adding. By the a year after the movie came out, I had my back all covered with faces. And then over time, I just kept on adding and adding and adding. And I got to the point halfway through it. I said, I might as well decide to complete the whole body ensemble and make it just all one avatar suit. Yeah, and it really is. I mean, if you look at the photos, there's an article about you in Rolling Stone magazine, which is super cool. It must feel great. I haven't got a chance to look at that. My daughter was telling me about it today. Yeah. It's super cool. You're in. You're you're in Rolling Stone magazine. You, Mick Jagger, and uh, <laughs> David Bowie, and uh, but there's lots of pictures from your um, Instagram account. And when I say that you are 95 percent covered, I mean your legs are completely covered, uh, and they look like the characters' legs. You're, you you've tattooed yourself blue with the with the uh, stripes almost that they have. Yes, I tried to mimic um, Natiri or Zoe's uh, yeah. pattern on my legs and on my arms and on my back in between. I've even got the white dots up the side of my legs, yeah. up the side of my ribs, too, to try to match hers. Uh, that was very painful. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've heard that once you start getting tattoos, that it almost becomes kind of addictive. You know, that you, you get one and then you have to have one to put beside it and then another and another. Is that kind of what happened with you? Uh, I kind of think so. Um, I just love the rush 
of, of the sound of the needle and the pain that you get, the adrenaline rush. Right. I don't know if it's just having one side-by-side and adding and adding, but that's a good possibility. You're listening to the world's number one Avatar fan, Raymond Knowles, on The Richard Krause Show. This is what I hear. It's like once you have it, it's like you get this dopamine rush, and you want to do it again. You want to feel that again, so you get another tattoo. Yeah. Right now, I'm in looking for a good artist. I want to tattoo my skull. Yeah. I already have the photos what I want up there, but... Um, it's hard to find a very good artist. Right. When I do, I will have that done as well. And and uh, that's going to hurt. <laughs> oh, I've heard. Yeah. Um, I've pretty much done every other part of my body that's most painful, except my head and right. my feet. And uh, yeah, the feet. Oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't no, even imagine. Got what... his feet done already. He says it's unbelievable the pain down there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what did your friends and family think when you started uh, all of this? Well, at first, I was just getting popular and popular over the Internet. Yeah. And at one point, I had over 5,000 followers within the three or four months that I started getting tattoos. Wow. I said, look, I'm going to be famous one day. <laughs> and as if it is, I am right now, but it took 13 years to get to this status. <laughs> well, the movie took way too long to come out, the second one. <laughs> oh, I know. I went to see it uh, Friday with my daughter. And I uh, seen it again Saturday with the hubby. It was an awesome movie. I still think the second one was better than the first. Yeah, I, well, uh, certainly the 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 visuals. Uh, you know, did you see it in three D? Yes, I did. I seen it in IMAX. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The 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 images just literally jump off the screen in a way that I've never seen before in three D. And I've seen a lot of three D movies. This looks different. This feels different. And it's the action sequences uh, are very exciting. Very very yeah, exciting. It's like you're right in the aquarium with everything. It's so close and beautiful, and uh, it's unreal. Yeah. Now. Uh, has anyone, like, have you been contacted by James Cameron? Has anyone from the film reached out to you? Uh, no, um, but back in the day, uh, my daughter and I went down to California. We met a few of the actors. And, uh, oh, that's cool. I've got a, I got a picture with John Landau with my truck. Oh, wow. With my daughter with my shirt off way back. <laughs> I think it was 14 or 15. I think it's 14. So I'm pretty sure they're all aware of my status of my ink in my truck. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> well, the the truck is really cool, and your your vanity license plate is Natiri. Like you, if anyone has any question here, you have not half asked this. You have not. You have not uh, stopped and said, you know, no, it's too much. No, you have. You're all in, and I think it's amazing. When I uh, got this vanity plate back in the day, I had a woman email me saying that she wanted the plate because her actual daughter's name is Natiri. Oh wow. And uh, it was her birthday, and I said, sorry, I already got the plate, and I have such reasons why I want it. Yeah. And she understood, and I never heard nothing back since. It's been 13 years, so. And have you, like, so you're a carpenter. Yes, I am. With your carpentry business, what kind of of carpentry do you do? Uh, I used to build houses back east, Mm -hmm. but I pretty much do everything now. If I don't do it myself, I'll just hire a trade in to give me a hand or do something else. Right. Where back east? I'm originally from Nova Scotia. I am too. I recognize the accent. I could tell. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what part of Nova Scotia are you from? I'm from Picto. You're from Picto. I'm from the other. I'm from the South Shore. I'm from Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Okay, I know Nova Scotia pretty well. I've toured it around and around. It's beautiful down there. It is beautiful down there. But I, I was wondering. I was listening to you. I'm like, this guy is not from Edmonton originally. 
He is. They he's say, totally uh, I'm from Nova Scotia. They say, well, you're a caper, are you? I said, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so when you're, do you, because of your skill uh, with wood and, and carpentry and stuff, um, have you built anything that was inspired by Avatar? Uh, no, I haven't. No. Maybe I kept the, thinking I might do it over the years, but never actually get down to doing it. You know what? Maybe that's the next thing. Once you've tattooed your feet and your head and you're covered, you can't you can't go back. Yeah, I know. Just the, there's only a few spots that's left that's white. Everything else is pretty much colored in. The only place he has not yet tattooed is his head, and that's coming. So I asked him if he already knows what design, what avatar design he's going to put on his skull. Uh, there's going to be some scenery. Uh, probably from the second movie. Yeah. Um, in some of the forest, some of the flying creatures, uh, maybe a little bit of water. There's also, um, I can't remember, can't describe it. It's uh, the bird uh, says they that Natiri flies. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're like sort yeah. of like dragons almost, but they're water creatures, right? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful creature. I have that one on my body three times. Wow, wow. So besides Natiri, I think Natiri's on me nine, ten times. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's well, just on my back and three on my chest. Wow. Actually, of fact, I think I have 15 of her on my body. You saw the first movie in theaters. I have it down here as 16 times. Uh, what What do you get out of it? Do you see stuff uh, that, that you missed the first time around when you see something that often? Or is it just kind of to be immersed in it, to just to feel like you're, you're just part of the whole thing? Well, the first three or four times is basically just in the awe of being in the movie. Mm. But over the, the many times that you do see it, you pick up on other little things that you didn't see the first time. And over time, you pretty much see everything. Yeah. So. And have you always been a fan of movies and music? Like this, uh, I, I, this is uh, beyond being a fan. This is, you know, this is part of your life now. But have you always been, you know, a big fan, someone that really just threw themselves at their love of music or film or whatever it might be? Uh, no. No? Uh, this is the only one that's really uh, got to me. Uh, I just fell for this. With everything. Yeah. So the only one in, of anything I've ever done that I just stuck with. Yeah. And it it, it feels like, uh, you know, when you get tattooed like that, that is a, you know, that is a, a lifetime commitment to it. Uh, and I'm just so glad that it, it that it has stuck with you and that you were so wowed by the second movie. Can you imagine if you went, yeah, it was okay. I didn't like it that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think I'm past that stage now. <laughs> I think you are. I think you are. Uh, your daughter, Nancy, in the Rolling Stone article, uh, says uh, she's 26 now. She was just 13 when the original Avatar kind of changed your your life uh, as her dad. Um, and how has she been, like, in her teen years when, you know, her dad would uh, show up at school and pick her up, uh, you know, with uh, with with these avatar tattoos. Was she cool with that? I'm pretty sure she was. A yeah. lot of her friends thought I was cool as well. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> that's right. And I, I forget exactly how it all went. It's been so long now. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, she, yeah. She's still with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Day, so. <laughs> and so uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the upkeep on these tattoos. Um, wh when you have uh, essentially your whole body covered in them, do you have to look after them in a certain way? Is there, are there oils you put on them? Do you have the colors touched up now and then? How does that work uh, over time the sun fades them just mm. the light itself yeah uh, all my back ones i have to get redone eventually 
Uh, that's very costly, yeah. painful as well. But other than that, I try to keep the creams on them as much as I can. My arms, there's not much I can do about. Uh, I just finished my sleeves last year, mm-hmm. but they're exposed to the sun a lot, so i got to keep cream on them. But they get dark. Yeah, uh, You can't help that. And other ones with the light colors, they fade over time as well. I have been touching up a few of them. Um, I re-went over my calf ones. Like There used to be pictures in the hand right. of the first movie, but I made uh, sceneries for my calves now. And oh, cool. You're listening to Raymond Knowles on The Richard Krauss Show. He's the number one fan of the Avatar movies, and he's done the work to prove it. It's like your, your body's like the Sistine Chapel. They just they touch it up every now and again. They, <laughs> they clean it a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, the hard part is trying to keep it shaved and smooth. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so, I'm right? a very hairy person. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I, and I suppose that takes away Away from from the look of the tattoo, right? Oh yes, it does. When you get hair on your legs, just for instance, uh, it, it obscures the color of the blues and the darks and right. stuff like that. So when I shave them and put the creams on them, it just makes them stick out a lot better. Yeah. And do you have uh, a house full of like collectibles and things as well? I live in an apartment. Uh, yeah. Most of my collectibles are on shelves and on the wall. Uh, the valuable ones that are, that are made of glass and ceramics and stuff are in boxes. Right. I'm terrified of breaking those. Yeah. Because they're just beautiful, and they were expensive when I bought them over the years. So, yeah, I have but, quite a collection of Avatar stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's so cool. I, I love that this is your passion. This is the thing. You know, because... Well, they say everybody has their one thing that they love, passionate right. about, they're stuck with, and don't care about anybody else. That's, that's their one thing. And Avatar is just mine. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I'm trying to sort of really dig down and figure out exactly what it is. But it really feels, I think, because the first movie uh, was so groundbreaking in its technology that no one had ever seen 3D like that before. And I would say that with this new film, no one's really ever seen 3D or visuals like that before. And so it's immersive. It's not just one thing. It's not just, a, um, you know, I like this one character or I thought that the... the the, you know, the the weapons were cool that they had, whatever it is. It, it's it's the whole experience. And that really is what I'm getting from you, is that it really is just the whole thing that just brought you in like a magnet. Yeah, it's hard, like I said before, it's hard to pinpoint just one thing about it. It's just, it's everything. It's all, you name it, it's probably all in the thing. So. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we're, we're both feeling pretty good that the next sequel won't be another 13 years away. <laughs> They've already it's shot to them. Be three more every two years. Yeah, my understanding. Yeah, and is that going to be too much Avatar for you, or just enough? I don't know. Like I've seen it <laughs> twice right now, and I plan on seeing it probably anywhere from three to five more times before it's gone. Yeah. Um, just pick up another things I haven't seen, or friends still want to asking me to go with them as well. So I don't mind. I'll go watch it. If more people want to go with me, I'll go with them more times. Man, Raymond, you're the best. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is Raymond Knowles. I, I I saw this story, and I really wanted to track you down. And, man, you delivered. That's awesome. I've loved talking to you. Not a problem. I really appreciate you having me on the radio and putting up with me for that little bit of time. <laughs> uh, listen, you're my, my Nova Scotia brother. Of course so. Of course I would. I appreciate <laughs> okay, it. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Raymond. I really appreciate it. No problem. You take care, man. You too.
That was Raymond Knowles, the world's number one fan of Avatar. You can read more about him in a great article that appeared in Rolling Stone magazine recently. You can also find him on Instagram to keep up with all the new additions to his tattooed body uh, and all that kind of thing. He's a character and I love talking to him. So a big thanks to Raymond. Also a big thanks to Mark Critch. Check out his show, Son of a Critch, on CBC Television. It's now in season two. Oh, and don't forget to keep an eye open for mark on this hour is 22 minutes now celebrating its 30th anniversary of course as always my biggest thanks goes to you for listening i'm richard kraus stay happy stay healthy stay safe stay weird and we'll talk to you again soon (laughs) 